Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. Uh, I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K., I'm Mariah Rose, the other co-host. <laughs> I kind of spaced out and almost forgot how to introduce. I could see the <laughs> look like, of terror on your eyes. what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, you actually scratched your head like a gorilla trying to figure out a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found the banana and I'm ready to talk. All right. So this is a podcast about the 80s. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Hey. We're going to be talking about something that came out in the 80s. It's, that's something how that we do it. made in the 80s, I guess, technically. Okay, what's the difference? That it didn't come out in the 80s. What? I'm scandalous. <sighs> I didn't know that going into this. I quit. Okay. Well, Goodbye. We'll sum it all up. But before we get there, <laughs> <laughs> welcome. This is going to be... This is going to be a really informative episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, bet on it. Oh, bet on it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, before we get started, mm-hmm. how have you been? Great. We've got a sick kid. Um, nothing else could be better. It's it, awesome. It, Daylight savings time either began or ended. I don't know. Yeah. With time change. Yeah. I just saw a meme right before we started about if you could turn back time and then it says you can, and it's a photo of share. And then it says share with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I laugh at that? That's I don't know. Stupid. The internet's a really magical place. <laughs> it's also the worst place ever. Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Oh, goodness gravy. I'm teaching a class, so I'm dealing with students' papers. Um, one of my students was supposed to talk about two works of art comparing and contrasting and they two chose two naturally occurring environments the grand canyon and something else and the artist was jesus <laughs> so that's what i'm dealing with that was the artist yes yep wow mm-hmm. is that a first of the like whatever 13 plus years you've been teaching yeah that was a first i mean i get a lot of students who definitely play fast and loose with it but this was I mean, I, I mean, A plus for creativity, I would say. Okay. Okay. Right. I mean, there was also a lecture attached to it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was nice. That's cool. I'm informed. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what about you? I feel like maybe something's going on with you. Yes, something is going on. What? I'm not a big fan of plugging things, but this is our damn show, and I'm going to use this platform. Plug it for in. For our worldwide audience. Mm. Um As we've mentioned several times leading up to now, I've been working on an album for the last couple years, released a few singles that I've mentioned, but the debut album of my musical project, Blood Relations, has finally come out. It is out on all streaming platforms, and it's got a pre-order for my very first ever vinyl release, which is a, a big deal because... Uh, people who know me know me as a VHS collector, but my actual like true love and passion my whole adult life has been vinyl records. And mm-hmm. since I was a teenager, I have dreamed about having my own music put out on vinyl. So oh, yeah. this is a big deal and I'm very excited. I'm also doing a cassette release because those are always fun. They're both limited, but so far it came out on the 4th and already selling a bunch and downloading a bunch and getting all kinds of messages And I just would like to take a moment to say, if you're interested, you can basically stream it wherever you get, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. It's just under the name Blood Relations, and the album is called Eulogy. It's a concept album. Hopefully you guys enjoy it if you're into, like, post-punk or goth music. You'll like it no matter what. (laughs) Right. If you don't, don't tell me. Um, But I would like to take a moment, in, in all seriousness, to just thank everybody who has supported it and been involved in stuff because it's been a really big deal. This has been a a major Mm -hmm. undertaking for me. It's definitely the biggest release I've ever done independently. And um, starting with you doing the cover, if anybody has seen it yet, it's this incredible oil painting of a Grim Reaper pulling a skeleton out of a grave in the middle of the desert. And it's just the most amazing cover so thanks for doing that oh yeah no biggie one of the perks of being married to a brilliant artist um i guess i owe you and then also another person involved because i did everything else on the album i did all the writing and instrumentation and Mm -hmm. performed everything except for i had help on two tracks 
for lead guitar done by my very good friend Mike over at the Bad Taste yeah. Video Podcast. And he knocked it out of the park. So, so he did. Talented. I mean, these are really standout. And I've gotten a lot of compliments already. They're like, the guitar on this song's great. And I'm like, cool, that's the only guitar I didn't do. But, <laughs> um, no, he did the lead guitar on A Hole Inside the Earth, which was a single, and then another one called The Empty House, and both mm-hmm. are incredible. So, Mike, you already know, but thanks. So good. In addition, because he's very humble and never talks about anything, to doing the lead guitar, he also mastered um, the entire album. No so biggie. It sounds really good, and it's going to so sound good. great on vinyl. So, thanks again, and then just everybody's been super cool, like yeah. buying the album, streaming the album, mentioning it on their stories on Instagram. I mean, it's just been like really humbling. And I don't know, I've done a lot of records over the years that kind of just come and go. But this one actually feels like it has some weight. And it's because I'm getting just a lot of support from everybody around me. Well, it's because it's a really amazing album. So if you haven't had a chance, do yourself a favor, listen to it. It's really an amazing album. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased, but also I am biased. But (laughs) it's a great album by a really great person. So if you like us here... You should like him there. I have gotten a few messages already from people who are fans of the podcast and Aww. are like, it's weird to, to know that you sing because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know me as Aww. a musician. But anyway, that's enough of that. Um, thanks for giving me a little bit of time to talk about it. If you are interested, like I said, just Google or whatever. Just look up anywhere you get music, um, Blood Relations. Mm-hmm. And if you do decide to pre-order the vinyl or the, the cassette. Awesome vinyl. They are coming out in probably early February, but if you pre-order it, you instantly get a digital download of the whole album. So that's pretty cool, too. It's not like you're Mm -hmm. buying it twice or something. Anyway, thanks to everybody involved. You're welcome. And that's my little um, moment, my little platform, because I don't get many of them to talk about something I've actually accomplished, (laughs) because I don't feel like I've done it. This has been a huge undertaking. It has been a lot of work, and there will be, you know, more videos and stuff in the future. And we're going to plug it some point in every podcast not at the top every time because some people skip past it so maybe like mid podcast we'll just stop mid sentence like in two weeks we'll do a this episode sponsored by and then it'll just be me talking about my own album brilliant okay (laughs) okay well enough of that this episode we are talking about a a deep cut 80s uh, film that is pretty interesting. We'll get into the history of it and why I wanted to cover it in a second. But oh, good, because I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Before we do, mm-hmm. let's give people a taste of... I, I feel like there's probably a trailer for it. I didn't even look it up. Oh. If not, we'll figure something else out. <laughs> and then but, we'll just do a live reenactment. Yeah, we're talking about um, the 1988... A regional horror, I guess we could say. (laughs) (laughs) Curse of the Blue Lights. Curse of the Blue Lights, before we get into the actual movie, because I don't think a lot of people have seen this one, mm-hmm. not easy to come by, uh, and just doesn't just doesn't come up in conversation, really, with a lot of what? horror fans. I drop it in every conversation. I know, that's why we were like, okay, we'll cover it already. Jeez. Mariah talks about it daily. <laughs> no, this is a first time watch for both of us, because this is a film that I saw the cover for a while back, and the cover was really cool. Okay. And I just made no... What are you talking about, okay? It's awesome. Okay. What? I mean... I'm going to hand it to you. Let me look at it again. Look at all the elements and tell me that's not something you would have rented. It straight up looks like something I would fall asleep to. What are you even talking about? It's the man and the snake. 
just there is a, a mutant man zombie man with a snake mm-hmm. in a throne with skulls yeah in front of him is a guy stabbing a sword through a zombie and in the background is a weird mutant with sharp teeth you're telling me you wouldn't have rented this you would have fallen asleep looking yeah at it. for sure oh i call bs on that one i fell asleep the first time we tried to watch it okay okay for those of you new to the podcast, <laughs> Mariah's too cool for school now, apparently. I have a long history of falling asleep. Right. I've also been with you for most of your life, and I can guarantee you, <laughs> if you saw that on the shelf, you would have flipped out and brought it over to rent immediately. Well, maybe. So save it, Nelly. All right. <laughs> well, anyway... Curse of the Blue Light. So I saw this cover. I really liked it. I like that you got defensive. (laughs) Dude, come on. Look at this cover. Dude. This isn't like the DVD release of Trick or Treat. This is an actual killer cover. Okay. All right. Anyway, saw the cover. (laughs) Unlike Mariah, I really thought it was something special. You were impressed. And then I just never really heard anybody talk about it. So I put it on a little list of films to maybe track down. And then I was at my friend Aaron's shop, who uh, runs a local record store in town called Long Hair Records, and he's got VHS and vinyl and cassettes and stuff. And I go over there and talk to him and hang out and pick up some stuff. And he had just brought in a box of new tapes, and sitting in there was this one. And I was so excited. I grabbed it right away and um, got it, and I've just been waiting to watch it. And so I pitched it for this episode in, had high hopes that it would be something special, but you know how it goes. Some are win, some are lose. And I will say, we'll talk about it at the end, but <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it's special. It is special. So let's talk about Curse of the Blue Lights, a first time watch for both of us. Yes, let's do. All right. Well, like I mentioned earlier, this is a regional horror if you live where we live. This was shot in Pueblo, Colorado, which we are both very, very familiar with. And I've stayed in many, many, many times Mm -hmm. throughout my entire life because it's on the path of everywhere I travel all the time. Basically, everywhere we live has been on this path. So we've we've passed through Pueblo a bajillion times. I was really excited to see a film was shot in Pueblo, Colorado for some reason. I instantly was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Oh yeah, even though there's nothing recognizable. There's no landmark or anything. There is a moment you can see Pike's Peak in the background for a couple shots. Pike's Peak! I'm the same way with films shot in New Mexico too. Like I immediately like them a little bit more just because I recognize the landscape. Totally. But yeah, shot in Pueblo by a local, I guess, I mean, he's like a historian, but he teaches, he's a college professor. This guy named John Henry Johnson. There's a Western name for you. So John Johnson? Or just, well, I like that he's got John Henry. That's very 1800s. Yeah, but then there's a Johnson at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Okay. Well, better than Don Johnson, he's John Johnson. We knew somebody named Klaus Klausa. That's true. Okay. Anyway, um, John Henry Johnson's the director. So he had done a few local documentaries of Colorado history and stuff like that. And then this was his big break to do a feature film. Big break. And he uh, did not have this in mind originally. He had a, a different, more historical film, and they could not raise all the money for it because this is all self-funded and had to kind of compromise and came up with a different script and thought, well... Everybody gets their start in horror, so we'll do this. Oh. I read on his website, he's got a whole write-up about this. Is he still active? Yeah, well, he teaches in Colorado at the um, university and said that he's really not too proud of this one and it didn't come out like he had hoped, but they did the best they could. I would come to his defense and say, when you're self-funding and you have no money and you still manage to pull off... Yeah, that's true. ...something like this, we'll get into it. It's really a special effects, like practical effects show is what this is. This would be the takeaway of this film, if anything, is the creature effects and the and the practical effects in general are really awesome. And it should get more attention because of that. So I think he's maybe being a little hard on himself I would be proud if I made this. I would be so proud. I was talking as we were watching, like, imagine if we were extras in this. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) 
Um, and then this was Dare to Dream, co-written by a guy named Brian Sisson, and this was his only credit for writing. But the two of them, locals, okay, decided to make it. They cast a bunch of locals, which is very obvious. Mm-hmm. And the only other person I'd like to pay special tribute to okay. in this gem is the composer who really shines in this <laughs> film. <laughs> Randall Chrisman, who I do not know, but he went on to have a lot of work. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's done a lot of TV composing, a lot of cartoons. He worked on Robot Chicken and stuff like that. I believe that with the cartoons. Yeah, I mean, he's had a career for himself, but Uh this soundtrack, somebody, some one of these hipster boutique labels, please put it out (laughs) on vinyl. Eight people will buy it. I will buy, I will press one copy and I will buy it. (laughs) Worth it. I really liked it. Uh, Anyway, that's kind of the main group that I'd like to talk about because it really is a very charming, you know, independent to to the fullest degree local production where these guys just all everybody involved really wanted to make a feature film. Yeah. And it's shot on 16 millimeter, which I love. So it's not quite shot on video, but it's got that very low budget quality. The acting really helps that. But man, does it look cool, too. So um, anyway, that's what we're dealing with. Curse of the Blue Lights. Okay. So our movie begins right in it. We begin with a, a farmer. A farmer plowing a field. Yeah. He sees something weird on the ground. So he's plowing. He spots something. What is it? Who knows? And but when I say who knows, I really mean it. You <laughs> never get knows. to know. Yeah, we, there's a lot of question marks in this plot. Yeah, we don't get to know. It's dead. And also it looks like it has applesauce on it. It's like vanilla pudding is what it looked like to me. That's... Okay. It's... Well, and we'll get a lot more vanilla pudding it in It was grainy. Yes. Uh, the farmer is investigating this dead thing. I mean, it's an animal. It's clearly not a human or anything. Is he in a... He's like in a wheat field, right? No, it's just like dirt field. He's okay. just plowing dirt. This is very timely, though. Great. We didn't plan this, but mm-hmm. nice November pick. Oh, it's the fall harvest. And okay. it's even more fall harvest because of the next character introduced. The So the farmer's investigating for a really long time. Meanwhile, behind him, there's a scarecrow in the middle of basically a dirt field. It's coming to life. It's a good looking scarecrow. This is actually one of my favorite parts of the film. This starts off strong. And the scarecrow looks as though it too has some sort of applesauce vanilla pudding combo on its face. Slowly. Very, very slowly. It comes down. It chases the farmer and then spits the weird applesauce pudding (laughs) into his mouth. Um, What is this applesauce pudding? We don't know. What's the goo? Who knows? Why this farmer? Also Unclear. Why is the scarecrow alive? That was my very next question. <laughs> Why? Why is the scarecrow alive? These are all really great questions, but they will not be answered at any point in this movie. I like this because <laughs> first off, it starts incredibly strong and the scarecrow scene is really cool, but it sets the tone it is like, this is the movie you're in for. But it's not. Every shot is going to be way too long. Yes. They could have Mm -hmm. trimmed this down by 20 minutes just by learning how to say cut like a lot sooner. (laughs) And it's just going to be fun. Like it's going to be goofy and weird and make no sense. So I knew, you know, I was a little nervous when we first started it. I thought, you know, maybe we'll have to pick something else right when the scarecrow scene happened. I was like, okay, we're in for something now. So after that, it cuts straight to the opening credits and we get a bunch of names we've never heard of before and we'll never hear of again. That's fine. Who cares? This, this was is the their, only credit they needed to be a part of. This is their big moment. Let a, them shine. A big moment to be a part of. And they do shine. They shine like blue lights. Oh, nice. We didn't even plan that. We didn't write that. <laughs> yeah. That was unscripted. This is just improv Brilliant. unleashed right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're on fire. All right. So now we get to the movie. Let's go to teens in a car with the coolest license plate ever. It says, I am the number two, and then C-U-L. I'm too cool. <laughs> <laughs> the cars are pretty nice in this movie, too. I don't know how these teens... It's, they're like a mixture of college students, I think. Well, it keeps talking about them living with their parents, and well, they have, like, curfews and stuff, so they're supposed to be teens. Well, in 2022, that's like... 
every college student. Well, in 2022, you're like 34 and living with your parents, so. Because you can't afford a damn house anymore. No, you can't. You have $100,000 in student loan debt. This world's gone. No, let's talk about it. Okay. No work ethic in the youths these days. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, speaking of youths of the 80s, they are delivering some sweet dialogue. They're just talking nonsense about their small town. The dialogue is so fun. It's just the delivery of this whole entire cast. It's so we've, well, it's like a a quarter of the cast. It's two boys and two girls. They're like two couples. But I mean, it's consistent with every character introduced. It feels so much like a mystery science theater movie. I I wouldn't be surprised if they've covered this, but I don't know if they have. I no clue. Did not come across them covering it, but you know if it feels like a mystery science theater, then it's Laser Graves approved. Yeah. (laughs) Because when we first started our podcast, you remember how many episodes we later found out were mystery science episodes? Yeah, it's true. Like, oh man, we're picking all the same movies. Good taste. Wasn't planned. Great minds think alike. Great minds do think alike. Anyway, these teens are talking about how they live in a super small town and all they ever do is go to the blue lights so what are the blue lights it sounds like it's like a really cool bar or like cool hangout spot nope it's their weird small towns makeout spot yeah it's yeah it's just the place where they go park their cars to make out what is with that was there ever a time in human history where makeout spots were an actual thing with like where everybody would park their cars and make out like right next to each other yeah i think so I mean, there was a makeout spot in our hometown. Where? That place up behind the cemetery that you'd go pull into that little... No, well, that's where people would go get high. They're the same place. No. Yes, the same area I mean, that you there go would be get high is the same place you go make out. That wasn't very secluded, though. No, that was definitely... There were always cars parked there. That was where the potheads went, though. And the people to make out, they get high and then make out. Ew. Is that a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> All right. So back to our tale. We've discussed makeout spots. So these teens are like, boring, boring, blue lights, never mind, we're going anyway. So they end up going to blue lights, and on their way, they pass like an old-timey hearse, like a horse-drawn hearse. Yes. And that's pretty cool. And this is where we first meet our ghouls. We should also pause to say here that this movie has a lot of, like, supernatural variety. We have ghouls. We have zombies. We have a ghost. We have an ancient demon. And then we have, like, a sorcerer. um, A witch. Oh, yeah. We have a witch, too. Well, when the credits came up, remember, we were... The movie hadn't even started, and it said uh, so-and-so as the ghouls, and then Mm so-and-so as the witch. I was like, whoa, that's the name of their character? They don't even get an actual name. They're just called the witch? This is going to be good. Yeah. So our ghouls come out of their old-timey hearse, and they bring a coffin into a mansion near the cemetery. Uh, The teens are having their makeout session, and their makeout session is interrupted when they see out in the distance blue lights, hence the name of the blue lights. But I guess tonight's the night that they decide they're going to investigate these blue lights. So the guys go, and I should also note here, this acting is top tier. It's top tier because they're all sharing stories about local folklore of what the blue lights could possibly be. Hey, uh, you know the place is haunted, don't you? Yeah, yeah, haunted. What? Where? Blue lights! Yeah, it is! And that's what you probably tell all us urban hicks who move in. No, really, it's haunted! Everybody's known about that for years! No, really, Sandy! So, they're on their way, they're talking about the blue lights. One of them falls down a hill... And there's like a scuffle, there's all this weird stuff, somebody has a gun, a shot goes off, and, you know, it's a small town, so the gun thing kind of tracks, we're in the United States, makes sense. The lights disappear, and they find a petrified, like, monster body. Yeah, which is also a local legend, apparently. And they instantly know it's the Muldoon Man. Yes. So... I mean, let's just pause to appreciate the name Muldoon Man. That is a good name. And there is no explanation at any point given for what the Muldoon Man is. Like, just that he's vaguely threatening. Yeah. In an eternal damnation sense. So, 
There will be no Muldoon Man explanation forthcoming. Accept it. Just accept it. I I don't need an explanation. The acting through this all is incredible, but we've got to talk about something even more amazing. What? Because this has happened from time to time. This happened, if anybody has seen the movie Lone Wolf, which is still like one of three heavy metal horrors and i use heavy metal in quotes it's more like hard rock horror okay that i'm after because you know that's one of my main areas mm-hmm. i like to collect but lone wolf has a, a an ensemble cast that is very much like an episode of scooby-doo yeah and this i would say is even more so i don't know if i've ever watched a movie that felt more like an actual live action scooby-doo movie Oh, 100%. This was great, like, with the flashlights. Because we talked about it a little, remember, with um, Epitaph, when the guy goes out with the lantern mm-hmm. in the grave? Mm-hmm. Like, well, this guy's, like, straight out of Scooby-Doo. This was actually out of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, the ghouls in this, it looked like at any moment they were going to rip off their mask and be like, if it weren't for you kids. And they look like 70 Scooby-Doo ghouls. Yes. And it's then crazy. The kids are always like running up and down hills with a flashlight. Yes, there's over even and a over. point later in the film where they do the... Uh, one group goes in one door and yeah. the other group comes out the other door, just like Scooby-Doo. It's very, very much that way. Once you said it, I couldn't stop seeing it uh, through too. the whole movie. I loved it, though. So just keep in mind, as they're exploring and checking out this mystery, it feels very much like the gang. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. So anyway, the kids, they find Muldoon Man, but I, apparently the ghouls are there now, too. So there's like a, a scuffle but the kids escape this scuffle, but they grab, they they don't get the Muldoon Man, but they get a disc that is near him. Yeah, it's like a talisman or something like that. Yeah, so they make a run for it. They get in their cars. Well, they like get in their cars, end up getting in one car. They brace off and get pulled over by a cop. This whole cop sequence. <laughs> this cop com- is really, he's a shining star. He really likes his his spotlight. So he's there. He's in it. He's in a lot of scenes, unnecessarily so, but he's there in this one. I'm so glad he's in so much of he, this he film. He really is. He, he just really, keeps showing just, up, pulling him over. He, just, he brings his A game. And they tell him about the Muldoon man's body, and he follows them back to where they had seen the body. And he's like, nope, no body, because the body is gone. And there's this whole subplot about how the main guy will lose his license if he gets another ticket. Yeah. He can only get two more tickets and he loses his license. And in the span of one night, we'll get two tickets. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. It's so it's such a weird part of the story that is completely unnecessary. No, it's a, it's necessary because they have to end up walking. We'll get to it. Okay, well, so, anyway, this cop is very happy to hand out the first ticket. He, he gives them a ticket. He's like, there's no body here. Goodbye. And the kids are like, but we see the drag marks. So they take it upon themselves, Scooby-Doo style, to investigate the drag marks where the Muldoon man's body has been clearly pulled towards Sunny Hills Cemetery. I wonder if that's a real place in Pueblo. No, it can't so, possibly can, be. Can we visit the sites next time we drive through? There's no chance. Oh, there's a very real chance. No. You just have to say yes. Well, yes, but you're not going to find it. What? They enter. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> they enter the mansion that is at the cemetery because every cemetery has a mansion, obviously. That's how carekeepers live. Yeah. And they make their way into the spooky basement slash dungeon. It's pretty cool. The sets in this film are awesome. You can tell where this is a lot of the money, actually all of the money, went to practical effects and the sets. Yeah, uh, all of it. And they deliver Yeah, in every instance. like Solid. This film has so much potential, so much going for it, but... It's really fun to see where they're walking around uh-huh. and what's going on in each room. Totally. They're, they're pretty cool. So they make their way down to the spooky basement and they see the ghouls. And the ghouls are using... <gasps> it's the farmer. The farmer who swallowed the applesauce out of the scarecrow's mouth. 
We don't know why, but they've got him and they're turning him into some sort of human sludge and feeding this human sludge through a pipe into Muldoon Man's body or yes. like right into his mouth hole. Well, we haven't seen Muldoon Man yet. He's no. like wrapped up or something like that. I don't remember. Is he under a casket or wrapped up? Either it's, way, we only yeah. see his open mouth, which mm -hmm. is just sharp, pointy teeth. Getting some human sludge. And it, yeah, there's like a pipe just <laughs> putting sludge into his mouth. I should also mention there is a really heavy handed use of dry ice in this whole thing I mean, and or fog machines. Can you have too much? I don't think so. Okay. Then it's not heavy handed. Actually, as I was watching this movie, I have a little list because you always ask me for uh, Christmas list ideas because I'm hard to shop for and I put fog machine on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll definitely buy a fog <laughs> machine. We should okay. have it going when we record. Totally. Just a spooky atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the main bad guys for a second. Our ghouls? Well, and... Um, Loathe. Loathe. Yes. He okay. Their costumes are fun. They are. They're very goofy. They're campy. Mm -hmm. But he himself, the Loath. main baddie, is really fun. He's got sort of like a snakeskin face or like weird emphasized wrinkles. You know who he reminded me a lot of? Who? Do you remember the leader of the underground uh, bubble city where Jar Jar Binks lives? Yes! Doesn't yes. he look just like him? Exactly. I just kept thinking he's like, oh, Misa not happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me the corpse. I'm <sighs> so glad you said that because the whole time he's just been reminding me of somebody. That's exactly who it's it was. It's definitely the guy who's mad at Jar Jar Binks. Thank you for that impression also. Okay. okay, so yeah, the teens are watching the whole face hole sludge thing. And one of them just has a random sneezing fit. So yes. they get spotted and they have to run. And they go running through the basement and a random ghost chases them. Yeah, that scene's just out of nowhere. Like, why? I just feel like the filmmakers are like, you know what would be cool? A ghost. We should put a ghost right here. And it is cool. It has no place or purpose and we see no more ghosts. You know what this film, I'm 100%, I already know your answer. You're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. This gave me pretty hardcore spooky vibes because the film is all over the place and it takes place in this weird old mansion, but nothing really quite makes sense. And it's got a little bit of everything in it, mm -hmm. even the look of it, the feel of it, the creatures, the pacing. Okay. I definitely think this would be a good double feature with spookies. Oh, yeah. So I'm just I throwing agree. that out there. I agree. Yeah, that's a good one. So after this Previous episode, FYI. Go look at it. Episode number. Who knows? You look it up yourself. <laughs> Thank you. We already did everything. All you got to do is look it up. So teens take off in a car. They spot a ghost. They're free. They've made it. They've escaped. Even in the sighting of a ghost, the ghouls are chasing them. What's the difference between an, a ghoul and a ghost? You got to look into it. Well, one um, can pass through walls. Can she? I don't know. Okay. I was assuming. And guess what happens? They get pulled over by the policeman a second time. What is this cop doing, by the way? He's just pulling He's these just teens over. He's just hanging out all night long in, in like a one mile radius. Well, it's a small town. He's hanging out near blue lights where all the teens go to make out. That's exactly what I would do. He's peeping Tom. Oh, that's not what I why I would do that. I'd just be to mess with teenagers. <laughs> just give them tickets constantly. Yeah, I love to mess with teenagers. I like to mess with teenagers and like six-year-olds who are throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store. Yeah. Those are my two favorite groups to mess with. Yeah, I like when kids in public are throwing a fit. I like to just stare at them and make eye contact because they get really nervous when yeah. they realize a stranger is watching them act like that. I do that, except stop. for I slowly shake my head. No. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> or thumbs down. I've oh, done yeah, that Oh, yeah, yeah. Thumbs down is a good move. <laughs> and, you know, when people have done that, when my kids were misbehaving when they were little, I'd be like, thank you. Yeah. I love that. It's good. Yeah. The shame are... of, like, public humiliation. Kids need Teach it. Teach them young. They're jerks. Yeah. 
Okay. So this policeman gives them their second ticket, which means that dude can't drive and apparently nobody else can drive his car either. So all of the teens now must walk. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that. Uh Wouldn't a car just be insured? Well, somebody could drive it. Well, it's insured, but do none of these teens have licenses? Also, they're all like 25, so I don't yeah. know what the deal is. Also, they, they're they in the 80s look, so they, they kind of look like they're 50 because, you know, the people who exist now that were teens in the 80s, they have the same exact hairstyle, so they look 50 to me. Well, one of them definitely had a license because he drove out his other car. There was oh, this yeah. whole conversation yeah. about how he was rich and his parents spoiled him with some amazing car. This was the dude with all the buttons on his jacket, and right? the car wouldn't start right away. Yeah. It, so we know he has a license. There was a lot of unnecessary backstory There happening. was a lot of characters in this film. Most of them were just to be killed off. I really liked the one guy with the mustache, the thin mustache. Yeah. He hammed it up. He was good. He, he was, was good. really good. There's some standout characters in this film. And so one of the teens, like most of them head off in a group to go to one house for like further hang. But one's like, my dad's going to actually beat me up. So I'm going to walk home by myself, which was weird. We we're like, why do we need this story of abuse? I felt like abuse? that was a cry for help that nobody heard. I know. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> So he starts walking by himself and a cop car pulls up and he's like, man, not again. But guess what? It's not the cop this time. Surprise. It's a ghoul in a cop car. Ooh, this is a cool scene. And he shoots his arms out. Yeah, he does like a Nightmare on Elm Street, like long armed Freddy. It's really cool, actually. I wasn't expecting that. That was. Now, the rest of the teens make it back to somebody's, like, house basement. And then there's this really long poltergeist scene (laughs) that involves the disc. I don't really know. I love this whole scene, too. All these scenes are really long. They are. And this, most importantly in this scene, you brought it up, we spotted a waterbed. Oh, yeah, that waterbed was pretty sweet. But it wasn't just a normal waterbed. It was like somebody, somebody's parents gave the teen their waterbed yeah. when they upgraded. Because it's got that awesome, like, master bedroom headboard. You know, the yeah, only parents' waterbed? Yeah, the, like, thick, heavy get. wood. Yeah, that has all the shelves built into and it. And those weird, like, frosted lights that you could turn on. Do you remember those? Yeah, of course. Okay. You did, had a waterbed? Yeah, I did. Did you? No, my parents did. Would you like to know what happened to my waterbed? I'm going to guess you punctured it. (laughs) Just knowing you, did you? (laughs) So the waterbed was given to me. I'm Uh not answering that. I'm answering it via story. So the answer is yes. The waterbed was given to me by my parents because they found it uncomfortable, as does every person who ever owns a waterbed. Eventually, you have to give it up. I loved it because I'd tuck my toes in the very edge, and I because I have uh, that the thing where you wiggle your feet at night so it just constantly be making waves it was lovely but also i was a crafter and one night before bed i was crafting on my bed with scissors and i fell asleep and the next morning i woke up and i was wet and i was like what did i wet the bed what happened <laughs> and then i realized that i had punctured my water bed Oh, I know. It's bound to happen. And we had to empty it out through my window. And my mom is like, I guess we could get you a new one. But really, it's kind of a relief. That's interesting. Yeah, I never had one. Just my parents. And true story. Yeah. I was a little scared of waterbeds. Why? Oh. Good night around Elm Street. Yeah. I had seen it when I was a kid. And there's that whole scene where he's trapped under his waterbed. And I was like, okay. Um, I don't, I don't trust waterbeds. You could get yourself out of there. Well, sure. But when you're a kid, it's just implanted into your brain. So you I always shouldn't have watched just, that. just didn't want, well, I'm, of course I should have watched it, but no, I just didn't want a waterbed after that. Huh. Well, also they're deeply uncomfortable, terrible for your back. They are really uncomfortable. I did when my parents would, you know, go out of town or something, I would sleep on their bed Mm -hmm. to try out the waterbed. And I was always incredible. It felt like camping. Like it just was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mine had a heater in it. So it would get nice and toasty warm. But eventually the heater broke. Okay. I didn't know they made heaters in waterbeds. Well, yeah, they like warm the water. Otherwise, you're sleeping on cold water. And it's How does very it not cold. melt the plastic? Where well, it's like 
loosely warm. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, so that was kind of like sleeping on a cloud. But when you... Not really. That's a lie. It was horrible. <laughs> but it was warmer. But when it was... When that broke, it was just really, really cold. And it was like sleeping on a bag of cold water. I didn't realize you were such a waterbed aficionado. Yeah, I know all about them. I can tell. Okay. You're telling these stories with, like, complete confidence. You know what? I sold it at a garage sale, and these people came, and I had it marked for $50. And they're like, $2, and I sold it to them for $2. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm so bad about that, too. We had a garage sale uh, a year ago or so. My sisters and I were selling some of my parents' stuff, and this guy was like, hey, I'll give you this for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, sounds great. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, and then my sisters were like, you did what? But, you know, whatever. It was I was caught in the moment, and I get um, flustered in, in social situations. You do. It's really precious. Okay, what are we talking about? Where oh, yeah, we? so waterbeds. Now, one kid, one of these teens, knows a witch. So they're going to go to the witch. Okay, so here's my only gripe with the whole film. Even though she does end up really doing an amazing job, I feel like this was a big missed opportunity because when I saw the credit at the beginning of the film of The Witch, Mm -hmm. I was expecting a certain type of witch. And then as the film was going on, I was like, oh, we're definitely going to get that witch. I thought we were going to get the classic 80s, like, like rocker. Sexy witch. Sexy witch. And this is not what we got. No, it isn't. We got like a more down to earth real witch. So, like the one you would actually see in a, in a shop. Like, she's just like a 50 year old woman, but she does have special bangs that come down into a point in the middle of her forehead. Yeah. But anyway, slight missed opportunity there to have a really cool 80s like babe witch. There is a fog machine here too. Yeah. I should acknowledge that. So the witch decides she's going to make a potion and she says that their disc is big bad news and she sheds one single tear. I I like that scene. Uh, meanwhile, two of the other teens and are in a graveyard. I guess they just randomly went back to the graveyard and one of them gets sucked into a grave. Uh, this is after one of the other teens had already... The one who got sucked in Long arms. The, uh, yeah, long arms in the police car. Oh, it's the long arm of the law. Okay, anyway. He got transformed into a snake. Oh, yeah. So, that was um, Bob. Oh, thanks for taking notes on his name. Bob. Well, look at this cover now again. That's not a snake. That's Bob. That's Bob on Loth's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the ghouls. There's this really long ghoul discussion about pets and how Loth wants another pet. And so they turn Bob into a snake. And that's that's it. (laughs) And then, then occasionally he's playing with a snake. Yeah, I do like films that just kill off characters, Mm -hmm. like no big deal, instead of thinking like everybody has a chance to survive. No. These teens do not. They they definitely get killed. So let's go back to the witch. Teens have been sucked into a grave. One's a snake. It's fine. The witch makes her potion in a literal cauldron. And interestingly, she has a hat that she's wearing that's a crocheted hat, but it's in the shape of her hair with the pointy bangs. I liked the crocheted hat. You really spoke about that a lot. It reminded me of, what's it called, macrame? Well, it's crochet, but yes, it is like macrame. It reminded me of a crocheted cerebro, uh, you know, Professor X's special hat. Is that what it's called? Cerebro? Cerebral? Cerebral? I don't know. I feel like I'm saying it wrong. I feel like it's Cerebro, but also once I had a dream, our cat spoke to me and she said Cerebro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it seemed like she had her own like telepathic uh, but hat on, but it was crocheted. <laughs> it was pretty cool. In my dream, incidentally, our cat just turned her head and looked at me and went, Cerebro. <laughs> oh, man. It's a good dream. Okay, crocheted hat. She gives them all some of her very special potion, and she tells them to pour it down the throats of the ghouls who are asleep. And she refuses the disc when they offer it to her. She's like, no, thank you. You keep your disc. Also, if you give it to Muldoon, basically the end of the world. Then she shows them. She goes over to the mirror, and she's like, ooh, look. And this is their very special effect. She, like, dips her hands through this the mirror. This is very Prince of Darkness. This is oh, very yeah. 
John Carpenter, like the whole mirror same trick. effect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely same effect. So she shows them how to do it. Then the boys go through the mirror. The gals, for some reason, stay with the witch. The mirror leads the guys into the mansion, and there's this whole long scene of them holding the potion over the mouths of the sleeping ghouls in the basement. One of them is successful and kills a ghoul. The other one just really hesitates for a very ridiculously long time. And the ghoul wakes up and is it, that's it. Yeah. And up until this point, you know, it was a little slow at the beginning, minus the scarecrow opening. Then you get really good dialogue. Like, that's what's getting you through the first top part tier. is yeah. the top tier, like, acting. Mm-hmm. But really no gore or anything like that. Then the middle part is filled with all kinds of really funny floating things and melting things and Mm -hmm. again more dialogue the third act though like once they go through the mirror this is where if you're still watching the payoff is going to be great because the film's about to go off the rails as far as practical effects if you're waiting around for gore you're gonna get some really fun gore. All right. So the guys are walking through, doing the potion over the mouth. Meanwhile, the witch becomes possessed out yeah, of nowhere. This is really good acting. And like tears at her own skin. It's a whole thing. And the girls escape through the mirror. I don't know who the witch is possessed by or why she's possessed. Yeah, I possessed. don't know either. I was having a hard time following that too. Well, we have what the poltergeist. What was that about? What's the witch about? Who knows? This is probably one of those cases where we should have watched the film twice before talking about it. Nah. But whatever. That's not necessary. Yeah. Anyway, the girls also escape through the mirror. And then we have the most awkward dialogue with the girls as they explore the mansion. It's like they've never talked to another person before. It's so weird. It's so fun. There's a lot of like laugh, laughing out loud moments. Oh, yeah. Because it's just so over the top. And the line delivery, it seems intentional, but it's not. This is just how it's all delivered. It's charmingly terrible. Really, this is the charm of the film, is that it's just so much fun to listen to. It is. And so the girls, they've come through and they just, like, cross paths. They just miss finding the guys as the guys escape back through the mirror. Very Scooby-Doo. So Scooby-Doo. And the girls are searching for them. They open a random door in this house. They they go upstairs for some reason. And just a ton of what I at first thought were ghouls, but I guess are zombies, spill out of like a closet onto them. Yeah. And they're trapped in just an empty room. Yes. And then they escape that and make their way downstairs. But they become like, it's like a pile on the girls of zombies. So we think the girls are dying. But no, the remaining ghoul, he's like, nope. He's like a horny ghoul, and he's like, that, that one's for loathe. He whips them. Yes. He has an actual whip. What and is, is whipping happening? the zombies off of the girl. Why is there a ghoul zombie hierarchy? I don't know. And I, You know what, though? I have no problems with it. Are ghouls more sentient than zombies? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes sense. Yeah, they seem like they're in charge. So the guys, the two teen dudes that were there earlier, I forgot to mention, they freed another one of their random friends. They just found him in a closet. This place gives me the willies. Do you know they've eaten lots of the corpses out of the graveyard? Did you know that they're dissolving bodies to feed into that muldoon? It's okay, Sam. We got something to give them, something that's going to kill them. And they have freed him, but he's actually a covert ghoul. He looks normal, but he is, in fact, now a ghoul himself. He's my favorite cast member by far. And he manages to get the disc from the guys. We know that the ghouls, for some reason, need this disc to do something with Muldoon. So they throw it at him. This is how they discover that he is, in fact, a ghoul and not their friend. (laughs) Yes. This is a full-on melt movie. Like, this is one that I've not ever heard <laughs> mentioned this in is amazing. the realm of melt movies, but there is a lot of melting in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> including this guy. So for those of you who love gore and have been waiting around for it, you're mm-hmm. going to get it now because it's fun. Yeah. How does this even happen? I don't know, but I love the practical effects of all of this. I read the director, uh, I read an interview with the director, and he was saying that although none of them really got anything from this or any money, you know, because it all just kind of faded away, 
that the special effects guys all went on to have great careers. Mm -hmm. And I think the main guy went on to work for like Terminator 2 and all kinds of big movies. Another guy worked on some Nightmare on Elm Street films and stuff. So they, and it it makes sense. I believe Mm -hmm. that because whoever was in charge of all of this melting scenes and decapitations and bodies being cut in half and everything, Mm -hmm. man, they did a great job. It was great. And this covert ghoul, um, once revealed, he somehow ends up as a puddle of lips. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. He's just a puddle of mush, like goo, but his lips are still intact and he's talking. It's so cool. It's so good. So to recap now, the ghouls have the girls and the disc. And this is where we got to bring in our soundtrack because we have some super heroic music playing as the guys have a scene where they're like grabbing weapons and randomly nitroglycerin. I wonder, you know what? I'll try. I don't know if I can find it or not. But if so, I'm going to play a little clip from this right now because it plays over and over and over for pretty much the rest of the film. And it's so good. This is why it needs to be put down on vinyl. Here you go. Jan! Thank God you've come! Away with you! Your doom will be sealed if you interfere. Like, by the fifth time this theme kicked in, mm-hmm. I was into it. I was like, I <laughs> now like, knew the damn. song. I was familiar with it, and I was looking forward to it. Also, there's a new intro that the, somehow the girl's beauty is going to be the force that rake, oh, reawakens Muldoon, not the human sludge. They're like, actually, yeah, they did kind babes. of change it halfway through, didn't yeah. they? So the guys arrive, sword fight, girls, ghouls, guys. This sword it's, fight goes on forever. So long. It's looking bad for the humans, and things begin to turn when one of the dudes dips a ghoul's head into the like Muldoon sludge so he like drowns a ghoul in the Muldoon sludge oh it's cool the skeleton head comes back out though yeah and as he dies the sludge you see it going into Muldoon's mouth like a weird bloody oatmeal and now Loth has the disc while the guys are rescuing the girls Loth brings the disc to Muldoon awakens Muldoon who Loth thinks is going to kill the guys and the girls, but instead Muldoon just kills Loth. Let's slow down and talk about Muldoon because this whole film, I was wondering if we were going to actually get to see him. Was it going to be a big payoff or was it going to be a big letdown? Um, Laser Graves will tell it to you straight. It is more than you could hope for. So if you've ever thought to yourself, boy, I wonder what it would look like if that bodybuilder from a gym put on a gargoyle costume. This is what it looks like. Full body. Mm -hmm. And I can say um, our friend Grizz at Bad Taste loves one of his things that he loves is when practical effects involve a full body monster suit. This is one. You want one. You're going to get it, buddy, with this because you get to see the whole creature and man, does he look fun it's so crazy it's good it's over the top and the eyes are blinking slowly at the wrong pacing yeah like left eye or right eye left well you can eye, tell right they've eye. got the mechanics and the lips to make it go up and down and some guys got the gizmo behind the creature making it go they probably were so jazzed about it too. i would be too but it's hilarious because it's working and like it's just not lining up right no. but for some reason it's also like perfect and where is Muldoon Man now? Well, funny you should say that. What? I've got this week's fun fact. What? Okay. Did I perfectly set it up for you? You set it up. However, you're going to be disappointed because oh. it's not about the actual creature. Oh, shut up then. <laughs> <laughs> however. Yes. Muldoon Man is based on a real legend. What? From the region that in the 1800s, there was a petrified man that was like <gasps> tall found on Muldoon, Muldoon Hill. What? And was like pranced around as part of a sideshow. Creepy. 
creepy. Of being this creepy sideshow, only to be found that it was all a gimmick and completely false. But that's where this comes from, because remember, our director is a local historian and worked that into the plot of the film. Okay. So. Respect. Just because you typically read up on fun facts, I was afraid you may have already known that fun fact. I did not. So I prepared a backup fun fact. My backup fun fact is... Double fun facts. Double fun fact. Writer Brian Sisson, Mm -hmm. his only writing credit, Yep. and need I remind you, also helped on (gasps) another Colorado classic that we have covered on the podcast. I don't know if you'll get this, but when I think of low budget films shot in Colorado... What is it? Is it the alien one? Well, no, good, though, because it was shot at the same time. Alien Seed was shot at the same time. Why is that available to you? As the bigger one. What is it? Can you think of it? No. Shot in Colorado. Okay. Christmas Horror. Elves. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was Colorado. (laughs) So, Brian Sisson helped on Elves the following year. Yes. And uh, as I was... like researching this movie that was shot in Pueblo, mm-hmm. I knew for a fact yeah. somebody was going to be tied to elves. So when I was looking up credits and saw that he worked on elves, it made me so happy. I'm so glad you're happy. And also we covered elves. Go look back in our catalog. We've covered everything from Colorado. Yeah. If we it lived was slow budget and shot in Colorado, we've we've talked about it. If we have not yet, send us. Oh yeah. Hey Send us on Instagram your suggestions for 80s low-budget films shot in Colorado. You're weirdly excited. You sat up tall. Sorry, geez. I'll no, no. slouch back down and be boring again. No, be jazzed. Be no. real jazzed on Colorado. Also, anywhere we've lived, if you know where we've lived, tell us what low-budget movies were there. No, don't, because that means you know where we've lived and that's creepy. Well, what if And we were... will block you right away for being a stalker. But what if they're one of our friends? Oh, well, then that's okay. Okay. Now, let's just say a bunch of cops randomly show up at the cemetery and they don't hesitate. Fully armed, they just start blasting zombies. (laughs) No questions. So many head explosions. There was the first one where it just was a full head blowing up. And I was like, ooh, that was pretty cool. And it just kept happening. Just one head after the next. Kudos to the filmmakers for doing multiple head explosions, not just one. Why are all these zombies suddenly waking? I no issues with it. It's very um, Return of the Living Dead. There's no reason, no rhyme or reason to be found. So every all the teens, now that Loth is dead, they're running from the Muldoon man. And one of the gals gets stuck under a toppling tombstone as Muldoon is approaching. And her boyfriend is like, I got this, babe. And he tosses the little vial of nitroglycerin that he's been carrying. Yes. I was waiting. I was like, he better not have just grabbed nitroglycerin for nothing. He tosses it. Nothing happens. So the cops start shooting Muldoon. Again, nothing is happening. And the sun is rising. And you think, why is there so much emphasis on the sun? And then you remember back to in the movie when there was some random warning, I think from the witch, about how it has to happen before the sun rises. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of urgency that Muldoon's got to be dead before the sun rises. Oh, also because uh, Loth, the main bad guy that had his head crushed. Mm-hmm. Talked about how he had millions of zombies. <laughs> Do you remember that? All in the sunny cemetery? Yeah. So okay. it's implied that this is going to be like a full apocalypse. Okay. Now, Muldoon is walking very slowly. And I don't know if he's supposed to be like a statue or what. The way that he's walking, it's like he's made out of stone, kind of. I think it's just because the actor has this giant costume on. I don't know. Anyway, he finally steps on the nitroglycerin and he explodes, not from the foot up where he stepped on the nitroglycerin, but from the head down. No idea why. I love when creatures blow up. I love anything that blows up, but this one was fun. My question is... What? 
Does that really happen? If you were to put a vial of that down and step on it, would it just blow up like a grenade? It's a volatile explosive, so it's unstable. And just like us, it's prone to explode. <laughs> Especially after Taco Bell. <laughs> All right, well, that is the movie. This is... um. Pretty wait. incredible. No, wait. We got to have a conclusion because it's okay. hilarious. The kids all go back to make out point at blue lights. And it's like a really, really long scene of a bunch of cars and like, oh, bleh, and like smacking lip sounds. It's real gross. Okay. And then they're like, the dudes sit up from their make out positions, one in the front seat and one in the back seat. And they're like, what's that? And they see the blue lights again, and the girls are like, we just want to make out. And they pull them back under, and that's the end. Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> well, anyway, that wasn't as good as my Taco Bell ending. Oh, it was still explosive. <laughs> okay. Um, Curse of the Blue Lights. Yep. This is pretty good. This got a VHS release, and that's where, it, if anybody was able to see it, that's where it was. It got the Magnum release with an incredible cover that if anybody but you saw, they would have rented. You're the only person that would have, what's it called, narcolepsy? You would have just held it in your hands and fallen asleep instantly. It's like Robert Stack's voice to me puts me to sleep. Okay, well, I don't believe it for a second. But for everybody else on the planet, check out this cover because it's an incredible, incredible illustration. Okay. The kid is plunging, Quit showing it to me, weirdo. plunging the sword through the zombie. Why is there light coming out of this zombie? Why is there not light coming out of a because zombie? Because it wasn't from the movie, duh. Okay, well, anyway, the cover's incredible. <laughs> More importantly, this is the uncensored version. So, in a rare twist, yes. if you own the VHS copy, okay. you get to see all a lot more uh, guts and blood. Okay. Including the entire scene where, um, what's his face gets his head crushed? Um, Loth. Okay. That whole scene where the Muldoon man turns on him and crushes his head. Yeah, he's he pops. Is it. only on the VHS copy. Like a so it got a DVD copy uh, later, but it's R-rated and a, a lot of stuff's cut out. So lame. And it has not gotten a Blu-ray, which is shocking to me. Considering some of the nonsense that has gotten Blu-ray releases. I would love to hear this director talk about it and be like, well, you know. We well, he, so there's commentary on the DVD. Okay. So I do want to get it because I want to hear what he has to say. Apparently he tells a lot of stories too. Cool. He seems like a chatty Kathy. He's a college professor. Yeah, those college professors. They talk a lot. Oh, so full of beans. They talk a lot of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so if you got the VHS, definitely hold on to it because that's the version to have, even though it's a little darker and, and grainier, but you'll get to see a lot more of the fun. Overall, holy moly, this film. Uh, what's your impression? It's a feast for the eyes, except for the cover of the film. <laughs> it's an... You're going to stick with it, huh? Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay to just admit sometimes. Well, the film's okay, and the cover's okay. But the film's hilarious. Yeah, and the cover's amazing. Okay. Total package. Okay. Um, this film, I was a little worried, was going to be dull. Yeah, me too. And especially after the opening, which was so incredible, and then it kind of slowed down. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, man. But boy, did it pick up. And that ending is over the top. So many severed body parts and exploding parts and melting parts and set pieces and dialogue. It's just a full exploration of the supernatural. It's true. Okay. Plethora. Um, I strongly recommend this one. Yeah, watch it, dude. I really hope it gets a Blu-ray release. I'd love to see a restored version of this because I bet you it looks... 16 millimeter, especially, when you clean it up, looks really awesome on Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of there for the taking. So if somebody does it, we're going to take full credit for being the ones that suggested this should be reissued yeah just saying that <laughs> all right well this episode's good toast uh, if you like what you heard okay i don't know okay schedule an appointment with your psychiatrist <laughs> uh you can find us on instagram at laser graves look this isn't our best work but it's also not our worst hey man we're here 
constantly. We're we doing show it. up. We've done it. Rain or shine. We're here and we're there. Sickness. In in poor sickness and in good health. Okay. We're here. Yeah. We got a we got a lot going on. You know what's funny is when it's the end of an episode, I get into serious mode because I have to remember all the things I'm supposed to say. You do it right now. No, I figured this week we'll let you do it. Why don't you go ahead and send us off? Okay. Thanks to all of our podcasting friends, <laughs> the ones that you usually name. And thanks to you. No, you have to mention where they can find oh, us. You can find us on all of the platforms and the places. Mariah, what? give a location. Um, <laughs> I almost said Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can do this. I believe in you. We've done this. On all of your streaming services, we're there supporting you. Give one address. Lasergraves.com. There you go. You did it. <laughs> wow. I'm really smart, I promise. Um, listen to us on all of your streaming devices. Share it with a friend. We thank you for listening. You are special. You're important and you matter. Thanks. Wow. Goodbye. Good job. All right. With that, bye. Bye. <laughs>